Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning into Wove Inspiration. This is the Sunday special edition. I am your host, Althea Richardson. Today, I usually don't have a podcast on a Sunday, but I think that this was very important. This is a topic that is very important that needs to be addressed, that we need to have a conversation on. And so I was blessed in and fortunate enough to have this special guest on my show today. His name is Paul Granger. He is a fellow podcaster who has a show which is called Where Did You See God? And so we are going to be talking about the issue of racism, the most recent event, the tragic event of the murder of George Floyd. We're going to talk about it. And where is the church with this? Where are we and what should we be doing so you guys sit back and enjoy this conversation with myself and paul granger from where did you see god on wove inspiration this is the sunday edition We're freestyling this, you guys, and because <laughs> the way that God did this, it, it, it's definitely a God thing. Just to give you a brief background, I came across Paul, my guest, um, on Facebook. I was led to post a, uh, a request to connect with other podcasters that are faith-based, and I was so excited to see that there was a major response and there are so many different uh, Christian podcasters out there. So that was exciting. But then the first person that responded was my guest, who is Paul Granger. He is a fellow podcaster and he has, he hosts a podcast called Where Did You See God? And so my goal initially was to start listening to other Christian podcasts so that I can start connecting and collaborating with with fellow podcasters that are faith-based as well. So when I listened to Paul's very first podcast, it blew me away because one, it was on time for the way that I was feeling at the time in regards to what is happening today, what is happening now with the recent murder of George Floyd and everything that has been surrounded with that. And I pondered, God, help me to understand, what is this? Why is this happening? Why does this keep happening? And so when I listened to Paul's podcast and it was on race and his perspective, just, it was a release for me and a comfort for me knowing that someone understands. So Paul, first of all, thank you so much for being willing to do this. It is a pleasure to have you on Wove Inspiration. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself as well as your podcast. Yeah, thanks Althea. Yeah, it's it's great to be able to just talk with you. And I agree, um, God's definitely up to something because I remember when I saw your post and when I, the feeling I had about, 
I should comment. There was just something different about that moment, ever so slight, but enough that now I can look back and say, okay, God was pushing something. So I'm excited to see what God does in this time. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I've come to learn the best way to identify myself is, is first and foremost as a child of God, an ambassador of Christ, just because Amen. I, throughout my life, there have been so many other ways that uh, I've been led to identify myself by culture, by uh, environment, um, and even by the enemy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and that can shape you, how you identify yourself shapes you. And so I um, grew up in uh, the country, uh, if you can't tell from my voice, uh, I'm a white male. And there's a lot that that's done to kind of shape how I see the world, how I understand myself, how I understand how the world works. And God wanted to take me on a number of journeys, which would fill up this time if I got into them now. But the short version is uh, he called me out of uh, the context in which I grew up and placed me in a number of contexts that were so different than my own that it forced me to recognize that the way I understood the world, the way I understood how the world worked, Mm -hmm. was not actually how it all worked. Um, That led me to serve in a number of ministries. The last 15 years, I've been serving uh, in the east end of Richmond. And in the last couple years, God has brought me out of uh, (laughs) salaried jobs to being a full-time, fully support-based serving in the community. Oh, wow. And one of the things that he's called me to in that time was doing a podcast. And what's funny is I didn't even listen to podcasts before, but I had this sense that he wanted me to be transparent and vulnerable with the journey that he was taking me on. And he wanted me to invite others to share their stories. And so that's what led to the Where Did You See God podcast. Uh, The very first episode talks about why um, that name came about, but it's really about a, a way of living. What if we actually lived in such a way that we looked for God? Mm-hmm. that we actually listen for God and that we actually believe that he still spoke, believe that he still worked. If we did that and we shared those stories, how could that change the world around us? Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and, and, and dive into this topic yeah. because um, the, the, the whole reason why I had reached out to, to you, Paul, is because of the episode race mm-hmm. and how you um, talked about your your understanding and how 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 you came about to understand uh, race from our perspective as me being a black woman. I have experienced in my lifetime racism because of the the color of my skin, the my name in and of itself is it's it's Althea Althea but for some reason people even get a get hang up a hung up on on my name being Mm -hmm. Althea and being associated as a black woman and that literally would close doors for me to even get a job it was crazy (laughs) so your perspective how, how did you see race and how did God reveal to you the real deal about race? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you only know what you know, right? You only understand what you've experienced. And so growing up, uh, I grew up in a predominantly white environment. Um, 
where I lived. It was predominantly white, the schools I went to, the jobs I had. And so all I knew was what that environment communicated, uh, what that context revealed. And because I had never experienced any of the things that you were talking about, Mm -hmm. uh, it was hard for me to really believe that that was a thing. In fact, you know, growing up, we learned about racism, right? But uh, racism ended up, to me, being something that was in the past. I mean, definitely when slavery was around and definitely leading up to civil rights. But based on my experience and based on the world around me, uh, I had come to believe that racism as a whole was taken care of during the civil rights movement. Because, you know, when I looked at myself and I looked at those around me and when I looked at, you know, my peers who were black and I thought, hey, we, we get along and I don't have any ill feelings towards them and they don't seem to have ill feelings towards me. It created this belief that, one, I believe that I definitely couldn't be racist because I wasn't thinking like a Klan member. And two, racism must not be much of a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and that was one of the beautiful things that God did in placing me into context where, um, yeah, the, the environment, the culture, the history... Uh, the experiences were so vastly different than mine. It forced me to realize that my understanding of the world was just a small little bubble compared to the actual reality of how things work. And, you know, in in that episode, I really dive into a lot of the process that God took me through, but um, I'll share one of the moments that I realized that I might not actually know as much as I think I know is Mm -hmm. I was, uh, with the executive director of a ministry I was working for. And we worked in um, an environment that uh, was in a lower income neighborhood, um, was predominantly black. We were doing after school programming and we had met with uh, someone that I believe was probably a potential donor. And uh, the three of us at a table were all white males. And he had all kinds of questions about what we did and why we did it. But he finally got to what I'm realizing now is probably the big, big question that he had and and he looked at it's like oh, I love everything that you're doing but um, is racism really still a problem <laughs> and I began thinking in my mind the same way that I thought growing up I, I went through my own personal experiences I went through the relationships I had I thought about the teenagers I worked with the kids that came to the camp the families I got to know I thought of all the great uh, relationships that were there and I thought about the lack of tension that I saw and I smiled and I responded, yeah, I I don't really think it's a problem. And before I could even finish, the executive director slammed his hand on a table and he said, absolutely, it is absolutely still a problem. And he started going into thing after thing after thing that the teenagers, the kids, the parents, the families that I knew and that I cared about had gone through, um, how they had been treated in ways that I had never been treated simply because of the color of their skin and I slinked down into my seat because I realized I was a fool. <laughs> I was, I was defining racism based on my personal experience right. as a white male, rather than the reality that the way I thought about it recently, and this isn't in the podcast. Um, I think for a lot of white people, why this is so difficult is because 
whether it's our context or environment or how we're conditioned, we, we understand the term racist as more of uh, like an occupational choice mm-hmm. that a racist is like someone that is in the clan or someone that they, they choose to have these hateful mindsets. Um, and since I don't have those, then I'm not racist. Right. When in reality, uh, racism is more like a condition, like, uh, you know, a virus, you know, I, I can't help but think of COVID going around and, and, and it's something that you can, that can be within you and you not even know it. And maybe you do show symptoms, maybe you're asymptomatic, but it doesn't change the reality that it can impact you and it, it can impact those around you. Yeah. And if you fail to believe that you have that virus within you, then you can cause a tremendous amount of damage. And the only way you can deal with it is one, by acknowledging that it exists, by two, by understanding how you got it and how you can spread it, and three, by doing what you need to do to, to get through it. And, and I think there's so many people like me, um, people who are white that were well-intentioned, that really believed that they were good, um, that are struggling now because what they don't realize is you can have the best of intentions and saying the best things and read all the books, but you can still have those spores of racism within you. And if you don't uh, humbly recognize that, own that and address that in your best of intentions, you can still cause harm. Yeah. And that's something that I've been having to work through for a while, mm-hmm. <laughs> but especially over the last um, you know month ever since, you know, the video of Ahmad dropped, um, it's been especially heavy, uh, that I need to be honest and I need to be transparent because what good does it do if I just do this internal processing (laughs) and don't let it outside of myself? Right. And, and so what I heard was acknowledgement and that is so, wow. If, 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 if white people did acknowledge the fact that it does exist then it it's like okay you you got it now let's work on communicating and dealing with the situation um dealing with how you see uh how you see us how you see our the way that we live and and i mean let's just deal with all of that but the acknowledgement part is so important to us because it's like okay they get it you get it and that that was the way that it was for me when i heard that particular uh episode of yours is that he got he's got it he's got it and 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 there are some people i mean i can honestly say that i know people that still believe that there that racist racism isn't as bad as what they say Mm -hmm. it's it's Mm -hmm. not as bad as what it it seems you know we got all of these you know superstars that are black and all but it's still there's still an undertone there's mm-hmm. always going to be some form of undertone um, in different conversations, in different um, interactions, in when it comes to a job, when it comes to um, parts and in, in, in different movies, because um, there's consistently, I've always consistently heard different movie stars that are Black said, we don't get these certain parts. There's mm-hmm. always that undertone. So... It's still, uh, there's, a, there's still a work in progress, but with yeah. what has actually just recently happened, I think that it is now beginning to 
explode and that mm -hmm. people are really starting to understand people, whatever color, it doesn't matter. Our people are starting to get that this racism, this thing with police officers and, and black men or black women is a real thing. And this has now become live and in color mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. TV. It is, it's crazy. What was your reaction when, when you saw the video of the officer with his knee on, on, his, on the George's neck? Yeah. Well, before I say that, um, one, one thing I do want to say that I think is important for anybody who's white who ends up listening is um, you made the comment, you, you're like, ah, oh, he got it. And the one pushback I would say is something that I've learned that I need to tell myself is that I need to operate in the progressive tense instead of the past tense, mm -hmm. um, that I'm getting it because the moment that I feel like I've got it, then pride can step in and I can feel like, oh, I'm good. It's kind of like it. I used to struggle with the word woke in, in reference to myself because mm -hmm. it seemed like such a complete thing. And I'm like, maybe waking. <laughs> but if, <laughs> if I say I'm woke, like I could end up having all the intellectual things at play, but still miss it. And so that was one little thing I wanted to add. Um, okay. And I think that's, you know, what allowed me then to engage when I saw that video differently because, you know, I've, I've been in conversations like these before. I've been in conferences before. I've read books before. But if, if I don't stay in a space where I am actively listening and present and humble and learning, then I can just stop and say, okay, yeah, I understand the situation. It's a bad situation. We got to fight racism. And so I, I originally saw just a short version of the video because mm -hmm. I didn't know a full thing had been posted. And, and that was hard enough. And I immediately thought, yep, this is wrong. What's happening isn't right. Um, I, I happened to come across the longer version of the video. And uh, I feel like it was a God thing because again, I felt this sense that I needed to stop. I needed to watch it. I've got three young kids. So mm -hmm. watching anything for nine minutes is a long shot, but I managed to have <laughs> a space to do it. And I, I don't even know um, how to capture words around. Yeah, it, it made me feel different than I think I've ever felt before because you know, we've seen videos before, we've heard stories before, but there was something about how long, I mean, it, we saw, I mean, you see it not exactly from the beginning, but you see it from the beginning enough right. where, where George Floyd is still like able to speak, communicating with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then minutes pass and yeah. more minutes pass. And, and then you see the officer hands in his pocket, <laughs> uh, just not really responding to anything. And, right that that to to see such clear destruction happening mm -hmm. and to see such a clear apathy i mean it it wrecked me in a really uh unique way yeah um yeah yeah that, that's the way <laughs> that it was for me as well cuz I, I i too only initially just saw the the short version of it and then i went on uh tmz's um page mm. 
because they had the the um before when he was in front of the store and and everything yeah. and then they yeah. transitioned him over to the other side i guess to the other cop car um mm-hmm. and then uh to see to hear the voices in the background he's not breathing he's not breathing yeah and then the police officer is one of the police officers is standing like he's trying i don't know if he was trying to block the video or how, mm-hmm. what the deal was but i was just just watching the police officer the one that had his knee on his on his neck yeah. and it was I mean, every when I sat there, I said, "God, you're gonna have to give me strength to watch this for mm-hmm. whatever reason you have. You're having me to watch this in full. I, I I need to I need to to see it. And and I just looked at the expression on the on the police officer's face, like he was just nonchalant about it. And he kept saying, "I can't breathe." And then he slowly, slowly, didn't say anything. And I'm just. I just burst out in tears because it was just overwhelming. And so at that moment for me, it, it didn't become, this is a, a, a black thing or a white thing. This became, this is a human being that received a death sentence for no reason at all. Hmm. And um, it, it just, it broke my heart and and it's it angered me it it and it didn't have anything to do with with race it was i am angry at this uh, at the idea that someone decided to take another human's life for no reason mm-hmm. at all for no mm-hmm. reason at all other than I, I guess his hatred i don't know what it was um yeah. and i'm a chaplain uh, in here in Houston, we we worked with some um, Houston police officers, and I had to go through different training and stuff myself as far as um, their procedures and things of that sort. So, seeing that, I knew right off the bat, okay, this what he's doing is not right at all, mm-hmm. and and it's given me a different perspective, even on police officers having gone through. Uh, the training here, seeing the whole picture first before making an assumption. But that particular situation was plain and simple and it was there, it was blatant and there's no denying it whatsoever. And Mm -hmm. the amazing thing about this, the crazy thing about this is there are, there apparently there is a website that is actually supporting this guy. Hmm. it is it just blows my mind and it's it's just pure to me it is just pure evil yeah (laughs) yeah i mean i i will say one thing that has stood out to me about this is yeah i because of all the different places that i've lived and the different relationships i've built i have a pretty wide range of friends particularly on social media Mm -hmm. Um, you know, ultra conservative to ultra Democrat to uh, very, you know, religious to not religious at all. And, you know, everything in between. So the whole spectrum. And so when something like this happens, I usually see the barrage of those varying viewpoints. And yeah. 
you know, when, uh, you know, the story of Ahmad Arbery came out, I saw plenty of posts and people saying, well, was he really jogging? I mean, look at his right. clothes. And well, was maybe he was doing, and that's a whole, we could have a whole other podcast uh, <laughs> yeah. to talk about there. Um, but what struck me is uh, of my friends, I can't recall seeing anybody pushed back after that video went out. And in fact, people that I've never seen vocal about race before, mm-hmm. white people who I've never seen vocal about race before, not that they didn't necessarily care, but they just, I'd never seen them vocal about it, were posting. And that really mm-hmm. struck me. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's because of what you said. It was just very clear that yeah. you, you, don't, you can't do that. And especially, you know, this wasn't just two guys on the street. This was somebody who had taken an oath to, to serve and protect. And like you said, had gone through training. I used to work at a group home. You learn certain things you can and can't do, especially in regards to like holds and right. things like that. And that's not in anybody's training to put a knee on somebody's neck for nine minutes. Mm-hmm. And so people were able to actually step back from their own biases, from those scores of racism even, yeah. to see actually this is objectively wrong and then that opened the door to say what could what were the reasons what could be behind that and it led people who might not normally engage the topic of race to start to actually open their eyes a little bit yeah but i think you're right what's scary is there is a lot of brokenness in this world and there will always be people who it's it's just Mm mind-blowing that they can do the things that they can do and you know, I've seen pictures and videos of people who were simulating the event and yeah, saying, that was... you know, it's been five minutes, I'm still breathing. And it's like, yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. There was uh, one guy, um, I, don't, I don't know if, I don't know what his position was, but he was like, if he can talk, then he can breathe. And I'm right. like, Right, yeah. I think it was like a coach at a school me? or something. Are yeah. you kidding me? Or, yeah, and there was another the person that was on the yeah. ground laying down and he was demonstrating. I'm like, are you kidding me? Seriously, yeah. are you serious right now? Crazy. Yeah, and, and I think what's scary, and especially this is, I've noticed this is true, this has been true in my own life, and this is true of um, white people as a broad sweep. Um, because race is such a very real thing, even if somebody who is white denies it, because it's real, it still impacts things. It yes. still influences. And so there's this awareness, even if they don't want to be aware. And when something like this happens, when a topic comes up, there can be a defensive response mm-hmm. because there is a call to address that brokenness. There is a call to address this, this thing. And, and I've seen that, that a, a gut reaction uh, of white people who will say things, well, you know, what if he was doing this or why didn't he just do this? Or are you sure they'll push back because it's, it's pushing against that very real racism that exists, whether mm-hmm. they realize it or not. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so as believers in Jesus Christ, um, we, we, well, from uh, speaking for myself, I have to, look at the overall picture what is god doing even with this why why is this happening why did this happen because i'm i'm a firm believer that everything happens for a reason because god is in control of everything he is alpha he's omega he is the beginning and end and as i always say he meets us in the middle of of our mm-hmm. situations and in, in, in our life 
And so in with this particular situation, I'm like, Lord, what what is this? Um, how do I, as a believer, not not just as a as a black woman, but as a believer in you, Lord God, how do I respond to this? Because I'm feeling some kind of way <laughs> about mm-hmm. this, and I'm trying not to to make it focus on just racism because for me it is it's much deeper than that i've had many conversations even with someone earlier i said this is deeper than what we see in front of us this is a spiritual thing this is Mm -hmm. the enemy trying to take out as many people as he possibly can stirring up the pot of chaos in in people's minds trying to 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 just just destroy as many people's lives as he can because he knows his time is up his time mm-hmm. is coming near it's 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 like you're 10 seconds on the clock and you're out of here bro cuz you already mm-hmm. lost the battle but to try to explain that to people who are very angry mm-hmm. um in in the black community you, you know, some, we just don't want to hear that. We're not trying to feel that. So this morning I went on Facebook live and, and what I normally do is I do a um, Monday, I mean, a Saturday motivation. And the particular topic that uh, I've been dealing with is the uh, making divine decisions. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. God, this is on point. So in making divine decisions, I was on uh, its six parts and uh, was on part number four. And um, part number four just happened to be servant, to how to be a servant, making the decision to be a servant. And earlier this week, I came across a Christian magazine that had a story about George Floyd being a servant in his community. So I was mm-hmm. like, Lord, this is the this is a legacy that this man left and this is what's going on. What is why? Why is this happening? People need to understand that he was a peaceful man. And mm-hmm. he and in and here in Houston he wanted to make sure that people uh, knew about God and he helped people in his, in his neighborhood. And this whole thing is, is nothing really has everything to do with race, but nothing to do with race because the overall picture really is a spiritual warfare for mm-hmm. us. So what, what do you, what are your take on that on from yeah. the believers perspective? Yeah, I mean, it really is such a hard one. Um, a few thoughts come to mind. One, and I was thinking about this earlier, um, I, particularly the black community, um, but even beyond that, but I, in this time right now, I, I think it's important to know that scripture uh, gives a freedom and even a call to, to lament and to mm-hmm. mourn. It uh, gives permission and I think that's culturally something that we don't give permission for. Lament is weak. Lament is uh, refusing to just kind of pick yourself up and move forward. But now, like, you look at Scripture, you look at the Psalms. I mean, most of those are Psalms of lament. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think people have a right right now to, to 
be free to feel that sorrow, to feel that pain, to feel that anger, to cry out to God and say, God, how long are you going to forsake us? Because God knows how heavy this is. Yeah. Um, I think the important thing is, you know, you look at those Psalms and what happens is uh, even if they are being utterly honest and saying, God, I feel like you have neglected me. Um, they always come back to saying, but I will trust you. Psalm 42, five is a great example. It's like, yes. why are you downcast my soul? Why disturb within me? I will put my hope in you, my rock, and my shield, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think that communities that are hurting should feel like God says it is okay to mourn. Mm -hmm. And for those, uh, you know, like me who might not feel it as heavily, I need to follow the call to mourn with those who mourn, mm -hmm. uh, to comfort with the comfort I have received. Um, there's, uh, there's this ministry, this organization called Arabon that seeks to uh, engage spaces and even like white churches on the topic of race and multiracial uh, worship. And they're an amazing, uh, amazing organization. They actually have two songs um, that I think are really powerful. One was just released uh, this week and it's called God Not Guns by mm -hmm. Urban Doxology. Okay. Uh, and there's another one that was released years ago. And I think you can find both these on YouTube, um, one called Purge Me, but like just a deep song of just lament, of crying out to God. Yeah. So that's the first thing is it is okay to lament. It is, and there is, there is a healing that comes from lament. Um, the second thing that comes to my mind is something that David Bailey, who started Arabon, actually said um, while you were talking. It made me remember this time years ago when something else around race had happened and mm -hmm. he was having to process and share with others, you know, we're, our culture is very individualistic and individually focused. And our, our American Christian culture is the same. We read scripture and we see the word you, and we take it as a singular you that God's mm -hmm. talking specifically to us. But so much of scripture is communal. God is talking to a body of people. And sometimes he's talking to generations of people. And what David shared is, What's so hard for black Christians is the reality that there have been black Christians throughout history who have genuinely cried out to God and mm -hmm. never saw what they cried out for. Um, mm -hmm. Never saw that freedom from slavery. Martin Luther King Jr. never saw <laughs> the things that he fought for. Um, you know, so that's a hard thing to grasp. What's the point of prayer then if I don't get to see the promised land? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't want, I'm, you know, I would suggest if anybody wants to hear more about that, go check out, you know, maybe you could search that because I'm a white guy. I don't want to be careful saying black people, here's what you should do. <laughs> but I do think there is a reality that we as, as Christians, black, white, you know, across the spectrum need to realize that God has called us to function communally yes. as a body. And so then that brings me to the last thought that I had as you were talking is, for those who are white, um, there, there is a call here mm -hmm. um, to one, uh, mourn with those who mourn, to, to, to follow all those examples in scripture where it, it says to go out and be with those who are being oppressed. Um, but the other piece is communal um, repentance. Because again, like I said at the start of this, it's really easy for those of us who are white to look and at our own lives and to make the assessment that we haven't done anything overtly racist. We care about people. We don't see skin color. We're not, like, 
It's right. easy for us to think that on an individual level and fail to recognize that we have a communal responsibility for the actions of those who look like us in the past. Yeah. I was reading through Nehemiah today, and one of the things I love about that is Nehemiah, as far as I can tell, was born in Babylon, hadn't been to Jerusalem. Um, there had been people that had been exiled, but then returned from exile and gone to Jerusalem. And at the beginning of Nehemiah, we find Nehemiah learns that the people that are there are really struggling because the walls had been destroyed. And those walls were the thing that kept them safe, mm-hmm. were the areas of commerce, were, the, were their reputation. So they were really struggling. And so Nehemiah is just broken and he goes deep into prayer. And one of the things that he does is he repents and he basically says to God, forgive us for what we've done. Forgive me and my fathers. And I remember the first time it hit me that Nehemiah didn't sin against mm-hmm. God to cause the Israelites to go into exile in Jerusalem to be destroyed. But at the same time, he knew that he was culpable because they were his people. That was his responsibility because he carried on that. And until somebody repented, until somebody owned what their fathers before them did, there couldn't actually be healing because Nehemiah could then just go on and say, well, I didn't do it. So like, how is this my responsibility? And so those of us who are white, we need to recognize, even though we may have the best intentions and have never done anything overtly racist, even if we lived a perfect life, it does not change the reality that people that look like us, white Christians, have caused incredible harm. White Christians have used the word of God to do destructive things Mm. to people that didn't look white. And we need to repent of that. We need to own that. And we need to learn how to move forward in the reality of growing from that. Yeah. And the, the bottom line as well is that the believers in Jesus Christ, the church in this day and time really needs to step up. We yeah. really need to find a way to work this out in, in sharing the word of God um, as, with many, as many people as we possibly can for them to mm-hmm. get a clear understanding what we are really dealing with in this day and time. This, again, as I said earlier, it is the, this is the, the, the external. This is what we can see um, that that makes it just horrible. But the reality of it is, is that this is a spiritual thing, and and it's time out for the church. It is time for the church to stand up and say, okay, we need to get and do what God has called us to do, to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus, and do what we were predestined to do according to his purpose and will. And that is to reach as many people as we possibly can during this day and time. It's got to happen. Yeah. And I think too, something that has really uh, been sitting with me for a few years now is like, we have this tendency to, to separate um, compartmentalize things in our life. And so, uh, we'll even compartmentalize spiritual. Like there's spiritual things and then there's my work and there's my this and there's my other. And something that can happen in this context is to differentiate between spiritual and social justice. And I've known many churches who were very socially justice minded, but they actually had started to pursue the social justice with, and not actually pursue the first love, right? Pursue mm-hmm. Jesus. Right, right. And 
and the thing is, is Jesus was very socially justice minded. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was doing incredible things for those who were oppressed, for those who were neglected, for those who were forgotten. But I think as believers, if we're pursuing anything before Jesus, no matter how good it is, it's going to be off. It's going to veer. Mm-hmm. And so what I realize is that the spiritual isn't separated out. It's kind of like if you had a table and you're placing all these blocks on it and you're thinking spiritual is one of them, um, then you might end up focusing one of the other blocks. But the reality is spiritual isn't one of the blocks. It's the table yeah. and everything else is sitting on top of that. If we can frame our minds and lives as believers around the, around the reality that everything is spiritual, yeah. then that can shape what our engagement looks like. It can shape for someone who's black, who feels like they don't have the strength to even have one more conversation because there's a spiritual reality to that. God can guide them to say, yes, this is your time to just be silent. This is your time to rest. Or no, I want you to speak and I'm going to give you the words. For those who are white, who are like, I don't know what to do. I want to (laughs) help. It can be the same deal that if it's, if we're aware that there is a spiritual reality to this and we're guided by that, it can guide us to where God might say, Hey, no, 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 no. you need to humble yourself because your voice isn't the one that matters right now. You need to listen. Or, I'm calling you to use your voice. But yes. without the spiritual, then we're going to make those decisions from an intellectual or an emotional space, which isn't necessarily bad in and of itself. But what God wants for us is abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And anything that is driven by the spirit is going to be abundantly more than our very best words, very best actions, very best ideas. Yes. And that's the invitation for the church as a whole, capital C church, uh, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, like God is inviting us to abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. And all we have to do is seek him first, Mm -hmm. not seek our own protection, not seek our own ideas, our own opinions, our own politics, our own dreams, seek him first. And he is not only a, he is not only God. I, I like to say God is God and God is good a lot because God is God means he is powerful and deserving of everything like we don't he doesn't owe us a thing so we should do this because of that but god is good and so when we do that god doesn't say haha you lost your dreams he says i'm a good father now watch i'm going to give you better than you could have ever imagined yes amen you know time is running down (laughs) (laughs) but this is this has been um very this has been awesome and um my prayer is that those who are listening to this particular episode, they, they get a better understanding. And at least if we've, if we've done nothing more than just planted a seed mm-hmm. of, of hope and, and a seed of, of okay, let's, I'm going to at least kind of change my perspective on everything, black, white, Hispanic, whatever the color is. The bottom line is that God is in control of this whole situation. And we have to trust and believe that he is able to do all things. He is able to make sure that we are, um, as believers, he makes sure that we are doing according to his purpose and will. That if we are led by his spirit, that he will guide us and direct us in the way that we need to go and, and trying to I don't know, we're, it won't be eliminated because as long as we're in this world, things are going to happen. This kind of stuff is going to continue because it's always going to be, a mind, there's a mindset change. But if we can touch one person that has listened to this, this uh, 
particular episode, then we've done we've done our job. And I pray that um it does. I really pray that it does. So Paul, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I'm honored to be able to be here. I mean, this is this is phenomenal. And um, it is a blessing and honor that you were willing to come on here and just be open and honest and transparent and many blessings to you and your family. And um, we're just going to continue going forward in the things of God. And and let's just go for it. (laughs) (laughs) This is Althea with Wove Inspirations. This is a special Sunday edition. You guys have an awesome day. Take care. God bless. Once again, thank you so much for tuning into Wove Inspirations, the special Sunday edition. I hope you guys enjoyed what you heard. If you would like to leave a comment or you have any questions, follow us on Facebook or Instagram under Wove Inspiration. Or email me at wobeinspiration at gmail.com. To contact Mr. Paul Granger, fellow podcaster on Anchor.fm, his web address is www.wheredidyouseegod.com. This again is Althea Richardson. I hope you guys have an awesome day. Keep moving forward. God bless.